Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Metal Hammer podcast. It's episodes one, three. Oh, God, I've got to check my sheet. One, 131. Uh, I am Mo. I'm joined today by L, Deputy Editor of Metal Hammer. How are you doing, L? I'm good, thanks. I ate a whole packet of Jaffa cakes yesterday. That's my news. Yeah. Party on. <laughs> oh, man. I, I literally never have Jaffa cakes if I'm not in the office. That just makes me think of being in the office. Oh. Miss you guys. Uh, yes, I'm man. also joined by uh, Mel Hammer Reviews Editor, Jonathan Seltzer. How are you doing, sir? I'm pretty good. I'm currently experiencing a Chinese chili oil high. Okay. <laughs> I just I love the stuff. I just put on everything. So I just had lunch and just smeared everything with it. And I'm kind of slightly dripping out a little bit, but um, <laughs> okay. in a good way. So let's see, how, let's see how the next 45 minutes to an hour goes. So we're all uh, indulging in different experiences, basically. Um, Don't forget that the latest issue of Metal Hammer is out right now, featuring Metallica on the cover, uh, as well as picking the issue up from Magazines Direct. We're at now, we're at a new place. You can find Metal Hammer. Um, We've also got some really cool subscription deals going on at the moment. Um, If you want to get the magazine before anybody else and also get some exclusive covers every now and again and all this kind of stuff, subscribing is still the best way to support the mag. So we very much appreciate it. So go to Magazines Direct uh, to, uh, to find out how to do all of that. Um, did you listen to that, uh, that little Code Orange album that they put out on Friday? I know he kind of it caught us a bit unawares. No. It caught, it caught me unawares. <laughs> <laughs> it caught you so unawares. Yeah, uh, they released a, um, uh, a kind of... I get, well, yeah, it is a live album. It was recorded live, but it was recorded for a live stream that they did uh, a couple of weeks back. Um, I don't know if anyone uh, kind of listening saw it, but they, it was very, very kind of 90s MTV Unplugged, Alice in Chains vibes, kind of candles lit over the stage, all playing acoustic. Really, really cool. Very, very different. Um, yeah, they released an album uh, taken from that called Under the Skin on Friday. Uh, and I've been listening to it a little bit. It's really interesting. Uh, some of the kind of reimaginings of the Code Orange tracks work really, really well. Some of them, I think, maybe don't work quite so well because they're just, they're kind of such dense, um, highly produced, uh, layered songs that I think it's quite a challenge to break those down into something a bit different. And But it's very, very interesting uh, release. And I definitely recommend people go and check it out because it's just yet more evidence of this band refusing to stay still and kind of refusing to you know not keeping put, putting stuff out which is great so um yeah that's out now go and check that that's not album of the week by the way we've got a different one but i just thought we'd recommend that well, unplugged is my favorite Alison chains album so i'm intrigued ah an excellent choice um yeah it's, that's certainly my favorite unplugged album of all those ones that mtv did it's just Masterfully good. Hours listening to that album. Hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. I have the CD and I'm just lie in bed, just like looking at the cover and listening to it, just being like, "This is the greatest." Yeah, it's awesome. Well, yeah, the the Code Orange thing definitely pays tribute to that, and they did actually do a cover of "Down in a Hole," which is quite interesting and a very bold choice because that's probably my favorite Alice in Chains song. Uh, so yeah, you can go and hear that, and then probably go and listen to all the uh, the original MTV Unplugged albums that um, inspired it. So. Go Code Orange, basically. Uh, let's do some newsy stuff. Uh, now, before we get on with everything else, I know that there is an ongoing situation with Holy World Records. Um, we've seen that a lot of bands have uh, started to kind of leave the label um, in light of the, uh, the things that have been put out there this week. Um, so for any kind of information on that and the latest updates on that situation, 
uh, your best bet is to head over to metalhammer.co.uk where we're kind of covering all that stuff. Uh, so yeah, lots of stuff going on for sure. Um, Zealand Arda have a new EP coming. This took me a bit by surprise, but in a very pleasant way. Uh, Manuel Gagno's Blues and Black Metalers will release Wake of a Nation on October 23rd. Uh, they've released two new tracks from the EP, Vigil and I Can't Breathe, uh, quite clearly inspired by the death of George Floyd and addressing the issue of police brutality. So Zealand Arda is back with a new EP. Um, and it sounds like he's digging into some very serious issues. Did you guys get a chance to listen to these two new tracks he put out? Because I yeah, think they're fucking I marvelous. I was really surprised actually because I'd read that he was doing bird mask stuff and that that was what he was focusing and not on at the moment and not Zelenada. So I was really surprised to hear about this, but it couldn't be more timely. Um, I've ordered the vinyl from Bandcamp for the EP already. Um, nice. Go check it out over there. Yeah, Manuel's a brilliant dude and he's got a lot to say and is really innovative and, um, you know, the fact that he's writing about the death of George Floyd and addressing police brutality, it's just, yeah, he's, he's really, you know, it's just really interesting and really well-timed. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I love the songs. I think they're brilliant, like genuinely quite powerful as well. I mean, his music is powerful by its nature, but when it's kind of... Uh, constructed in the light of what's going on at the moment it really I found it quite affecting actually in a way that I did too yeah yeah it was more a bit more subdued than his normal than his than his albums in a lot of ways but the fact that he's addressed kind of you know slave labor in the past and so and the way that his music constructed it really feels like this is all part of a con like what he's talking about with George Lloyd this is all part of a continuity mm because um, yeah. you know you know you get you get these free floating samples that take them kind of outside of a timeline and make them kind of ever present. Uh, so yeah, this this is an this is a really interesting route for him to go down, and um, it feels very much an extension of what he's what he's been doing up to this point. Yeah, absolutely. Or an expansion, and it, and it's really just you know I think he's one of the most fascinating young artists in the metal scene right now, and. It was fascinating enough with what he's been doing musically, but now that he's kind of going head on with these kind of issues, I just think it's going to make for a really interesting EP. I'm really excited about this and I'm excited about what it might mean for, you know, how he kind of writes and, and, and produces his music moving forwards. Cause uh, yeah, he's a very unique artist. Um, more exciting news. Do you want to take this one out? Cause I know you're excited about this one. I'm really excited about this one. Killer Be Killed are back. Yeah. Obviously, Kill Be Kill features Max Cavalera, Greg Pachato, Troy Sanders, and Ben Collar. And they're releasing a new album, which is their second one, called Reluctant Hero by Nuclear Blast on November the 20th. And their song, Deconstructions, it's really hard to say. I'm going to try that again. I've, I had to I had to do three <laughs> takes to say this song on the radio show today, literally, because I was like, oh, I fucked it again. <laughs> this song is called deconstructing self-destruction yeah. which is a great title deconstructing self-destruction you can hear it on the metal hammer website and it's yeah a really uh, powerful like metal modern metal hard-hitting song it basically sounds like backbone by gajira but it's just cool and that's fine with me yeah, I think it's awesome. I love this track. Um, I, th I like I like the last album, but I wouldn't say it was something I've stayed listening to a lot of. But I, I would say differently. I think it's amazing, and it's like it hits all my buttons. You know, presses all my buttons. Everything that I like about one metal. Well, we are very interested in this new album anyway. I think it's going to be uh, quite an exciting deal. 
Um, also in tours getting postponed, news, probably not that surprising. Uh, Nightwish have postponed their European tour to next spring. It was due to take place this winter. Um, again, I don't think we could be too surprised at that with the current state of play. But hopefully uh, those dates in spring will all go ahead and then we can celebrate with some lovely, bombastic, symphonic heavy metal. I can only guess at what that stage show is going to be like, given the state of that record. The record is just mad. The state of that record. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the wrong word, but it was like, yeah, we were talking about this earlier this week. When Before COVID, when we could still go in rooms and listen to albums with other people, I went and listened to this in a studio with some people and it was literally every moment was like what the fuck what is happening now what is happening now and then i can't imagine how they're going to bring us to stage it's going to be insane yeah definitely i mean the stage set that had a road burn was kind of quite spectacular like the way that even like like the the front of the um like the stands for the drums had you know formed all part of one big picture so like everything felt like it was kind of floating yeah, they're 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 one of the. I think I still feel like they're underrated or maybe underestimated is the right way to put it. Nightwish. I mean, this is a band that headlines Wembley Arena as standard now, um, which is crazy for what they do. And yeah, the, the the stage show they're able to piece together as a result of that is pretty crazy. And um, that last album, Human Nature, was certainly their most ambitious album so far. So. Yeah, they must be gagging to just get out there and play these songs. And it's just crazy to think that that album came out this year. It came out in what, like February or something? And they've yeah. still not been able to kind of get out and tour it. It's weird. That's- it's like that for so many bands right now. It's just very weird. Weird, it certainly is. Um, God, we're flying through this week. Uh, let's go on to the album of the week this week. I think it's only one real choice for this. A huge record. Uh, Marilyn Manson's We Are Chaos is out on Friday. It's his first album in three years, the follow-up to 2017's Heaven Upside Down. Um, I think this is a really fascinating album for Manson and a really fascinating period in his career because the world in which this album is getting released is a very, very different one to the world that uh, that Heaven Upside Down came out in. Um, you know, we live in a post-Me Too world now. We live in a, a kind of very different climate for how we think of rock stars and, and you know, controversial behavior and all the rest of it. Um, and so it's interesting to, to see where an artist like Marilyn Manson fits into that. Um, you know, he's been proudly controversial. He's been problematic. Um, you know, he's been all sorts of things over the years. Uh, and now, you know, he's in a position where he's got to kind of fit into this very different world we find ourselves in. And I think Jonathan really, who, who actually reviewed the album for the new issue that's out next week, um, I think you really nailed it. When, when you look at this album lyrically, it feels like an album of kind of self-reckoning for Manson in many ways. Yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, it's, it's the most cathartic, genuinely cathartic record he's ever done. But it goes through lots of different kinds of emotions. So when I heard, when I first heard the, uh, you know, saw the video for the title track, I was like, what is this originally, initially? So it's kind of schmaltzy, a bit playing to the galleries. It's kind of like, get your lighters out. It's not your, your typical Manson song in any way, least of all after um, uh, Heaven Upside Down, which was the closest one he got to kind of recapturing his mojo, I felt, since um, Hollywood. But this feels like, when you listen to the content of the album, it feels like he's not trying to recreate anything from the past. He's in a new place now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and 
yeah, it's, I just feel this album is very different from anything he's done before. He's not trying to be the Marilyn Manson of the past. He's trying to work out what Marilyn Manson is now, like I yeah. said, and, and it's a process. So, you know, the first song is, is kind of, it could have been off heaven upside down. Red, black um, and blue. Yeah, I agree. It's got, it's got more of that kind of uh, crunching industrial sound that- Yeah, it's very ministry. Music. It reminds uh, me of Flowers of Evil as well, one of his tracks from a couple of albums back. Yeah, but, th- but then it, it, like the album, I said in the review that the album kind of goes through different stages. So you next get like three kind of, what you could call kind of schmaltzy songs. Um, and you know, the, you know, the following, the, the track after that, I don't have the track listing in, in front of me at the moment. Um, what's it? It's one step forward. What's it called? Does Halfway and one step forward. Halfway. Is that is that that the that's the third track, right? No. So it goes red, black, and blue. We are chaos. Don't chase the dead. Paint you with my love. Halfway and one step forward. Yeah. So so, so yeah. So those, so those next three songs up to paint you with my love. You know, paint you with my love and and that one you just mentioned. Yeah. They're kind of they're kind of schmaltzy, but but just on the right side of it. Mm. Uh, there's like, a lot of eighties in there, isn't there as well? There's a lot of there's there's a lot of there's a lot of Bowie. So there's a lot of um in uh, Don't Chase the Dead. There's that kind of like spacey Bowie feel that he kind of recreates on Mechanical Animals. It's there very strongly, I think. Yeah, it's it's very much um like Aladdin Sane, Ziggy Stardust era. Where it's got a kind of it's got the fifties in it. It's kind of there's something elegiac about it. Um, and it, it's, it's kind of got like when he brought in said it was gonna, there's going to be a country element to it. It's kind of got a country element, but it's like I said, it's more. It's not like country and western, but it's that kind of really soul searching, like sl- just on the right side of Schmaltz that um, yeah. you know a good country song does. Well, he worked with Shooter Jennings on this album. Shooter Jennings, you? yeah, you can definitely feel that come through. Um, you know, it retains a little bit of this slightly kind of almost outlaw country vibe that he had on the Pale Emperor, which I think has a lot in common with this album as well. It's weird. I actually feel like this has more in common with the Pale Emperor than it does Heaven Upside Down overall, to be honest. Like, it feels like a natural successor to that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's it's just musically, it's really interesting. I mean, musically, I think it's really good. I, I like the quite regular nods, I feel, to the Mechanical Animals era. I think Let Me Paint You With My Love has that kind of like um, disassociative style, uh, as in the song, uh, kind of spacey, acoustic-y, futuristic um, vibe to it. Um, yeah. And then, and then, but halfway and one step forward, is, uh, they'll crop up again later on in the album, but it's got these really lush guitar textures, these really expansive mm. guitar textures. that, And it's... um. And it's such good songwriting, and it's so dramatic. Mm. Um, yeah, and then and then you kind of get you get to this kind of industrial stage with um, sort of infinite darkness, which is uh, perfume, which is I think is the one a slightly filler track on the album. It's very classic Manson. And then you get to these three albums at the three tracks, and it's quite short for a Manson album. It's only like about 46, 47 minutes or so, mm. um, forty two minutes actually. Um, we got Kick My Hair Together, Solve Coragula and Broken Needle. And they got, and like, they're the most genuinely racked and br- like brilliantly um, written songs I've, you know, I think, he, I think in, in his catalogue. And I'm, obs- wow. I'm particularly obsessed with those three songs, but it's just um, a journey that you, need, you, you get to, to this point. I mean, Keep My Head Together actually reminds me a little bit of um, 
you spin me around like a record by De by um uh who, who's it by again um pete uh what's his face pete burns yeah, yeah. dead oh my god it's, it's gone now it'll come back to me <laughs> oh, yeah it's a rock and roll song though isn't it that one yeah and then yeah broken needle which starts off this kind of acoustic strum dead or alive they're called by the way so dead or alive the original band. dead or alive that's it yeah um i should know that i've got i actually own the single of that record like seven i bought it at the time uh but yeah broken needle is just so self kind of eviscerating and there's 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 a lot of songs where there's like a lot of um double meanings um the title is a double meaning like does it mean like we are chaos as in we are all chaos or is he using the rural we like I am chaos? Mm. It's, 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 it's interesting. And there's like a line on Broken Needle where it goes, I'll never play you again. And that could mean like, we'll never be together again. Or it means like, I'll never play you like a, like a fool again. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think, and I mean, yeah. lyrically, I think, I think lyrically it's, it's a really interesting album. Cause like we said, it feels like there's a lot of self reckoning going on here. You know, Manson has to, I guess, work out where he fits in a world where, you know, being problematic, being controversial just isn't really kind of uh, accepted and and celebrated in the same way that I guess it was before. Um, some of the lyrics on here I find really interesting. I think it's on, is it on We Are, we Are Chaos, where he says, maybe I'm a mystery, I could be, end up your misery. Um, on Perfume, he says, if you conjure the devil, you better make sure you've got a bed for him to sleep in. I mean, there's definitely this kind of acknowledgement of him as this kind of, you know, potentially problematic character. Yeah. Um, have the, we the, talked about... Sorry, Jonathan, you go ahead. Oh, we're probably going to talk about the same thing. But yeah, I mean, it, it goes through lots of different emotional stages, as he probably would do in a lot of things. But, you know, some of it's despair. So, sort of coagula, uh, which is, I think that's like a kind of um, alchemical term. I looked uh, it up, actually, for Lyrics Corner. <laughs> yeah. It was inscribed on an image of Baphomet, drawn in 1865 by the French occultist... Eliphas Levi, probably pronounced that incorrectly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a term used in alchemy, isn't it? The solve is separate and coagula is joined together. And uh, this BBC feature at least says it's the like the powers of binding and loosing usurps from God. But yeah, separate and joined together. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was Latin, used in Latin words. Yeah, so it's used in alchemy, you know, turning base metal into gold. Um, but there's that line because I'm not special, I'm just broken and I don't want to be fixed. Yeah, I've got that line marked out yeah. as well. And, um, you know, yeah, that's, that's kind of pretty desperate. But, see, I love songs, I love bands where they just basically hit the bottom line. Like, that's why I love Swans. It's like, there's nothing more depressing than that. But I always found that really um, reassuring. It's like, okay, right, that's, that's, that's the bottom end. There's only up from here. But it's nice to have, like, but not nice, but it's... But it's helpful to have that absolute bottom articulated. And yeah. um, it gives you something to orientate yourself around. So, yeah, I, I, I just think, like, especially like those three songs, but the journey towards it, I love Halfway and One Step Forward. I like pretty much the entire album, but it's just when you get to those last three songs, it really, oh my God, it's just, I, I, I play them over and over again. And I haven't felt this kind of attached to a Manson record since Hollywood. Yeah. Have you mentioned his dad passing away as well? Because that was a massive thing around the time we did the last record. Um, it, was just it was just before. Yeah, I, I, I talked to about, about it. it. Yeah. yeah, and I think this as well, like, Jonathan, you mentioned this sort of a process on this record or a processing. It's a processing of emotions. And I think there's a lot about that as well and a lot about loss. If you look at something like Infinite Darkness, 
and thinking about your place in the world as we were just talking about and he says first class on the astral plane just because you're famous doesn't mean you're worth anything in this world or the next one or the one before there's kind of a lot of that same thing he was thinking about uh, when you spoke to him last about kind of your, you know your place in the world and I think he there was a metaphor about his dad being a satellite or something wasn't there in the last record and it's yeah I just it sounds like he's contemplating death and kind of what his um existence means you know and kind of everyone's the same when you're dead sort of thing and he says you're dead longer than you're alive you know so then you kind of I guess you have to think about what you do with that life as well mm. it's it's weird because it doesn't Manson being introspective is not a new thing he's been doing this for 17 well 15 or whatever it is years now like eat me drink me kind of marked a real turning point for that um but there's just definitely something more engaging about the way he's uh, kind of dissecting himself on this album. Um, and maybe it is because it's kind of in the context of, you know, being a very different uh, industry in a different world to what we're, to where we were before, that we, you know, read more into it than we might have otherwise. But it just really feels like there's a lot of self-reckoning going on. It just, and it makes it a really compelling and interesting listen. And, and I do, you know, I agree. I think musically, this is the most, certainly the most accomplished thing he's done in a long time. Um, and it feels like the most kind of concise and like he's finally found uh, the right combination of sounds and, and writing styles that just all feels like a one coherent vision. I mean, I, I do think there was a, a lot of that on um, The Pearl Emperor, but I, I did feel like Heaven Upside Down just felt like this kind of not very good smorgasbord of stuff he'd done before it was all kind of like oh this sounds like that era but not quite as good oh this sounds like that era, but not quite as good but this sounds much more like its own thing um yeah, even though, it, as i say i do think there's a lot of mechanical animals on here which is which is a good thing by me yeah I mean, <laughs> yeah there's things he hasn't really like done musically before on there but also like you said the reason why it's engaging is i think you know in the past he was kind of vacillating between should i be political should i be personal and um, and like I said, there wasn't this kind of completeness of vision. But I like the fact that this um, does have a completeness of vision. But it goes through, but like like we said, it goes through lots of different stages, musically, emotionally, um, and you know, for me, the, the albums that always feel the most complete are the ones that are also can feel very sprawling, like mm. *Triumphant*, for instance, where it's just like it's a sprawling vision, but but there's a world like I've always gone about this but there's a world you know you, you kind of get into and so this is kind of kind of spawning emotionally but I never kind of always think with especially with art or music whether what they're saying is right or wrong but whether there's a truthfulness in it mm. um, and that and, and that just comes out through the music and I just think this this album whether, you, whether you're going to agree with the you know my new or the, or the literal things of what he's saying but there's a real truthfulness to it that maybe you can empathize with, you know, to some extent from your own very different position in the world. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just think there's a real, this is a close thing to actual honesty that um, he's really done. Not that he's ever been a, never been a sharp lyricist in the past, but um, yeah, this, this album, it, it just feels like, like I said, it, it feels like a new era for him. Mm. Definitely. Definitely. Any more, any more final thoughts on, uh, we are KSL. No, I agree with you about that sort of honesty and authenticity. It feels like he's hiding less about how he feels or whether that's in the music or from himself. Um, and it kind of, you know, it's got witticisms in there and there's 
always kind of stuff you can cross-reference from other albums as well, or certain words or certain philosophies or certain references to certain literary texts. And I'm sure there's a lot more going on in here, but it feels less, the things that he's talking about feel less obscured by those kinds of techniques, is what I would say. Definitely. It's, it's, a, it's a fascinating album. And yeah, it's a very honest album. And I think um, it'll, it'll be an album that people kind of dissect and, and read into uh, for quite some time yeah, it, it's also a very portentous release date very true yes out on out on 9 11 i'm you, sure you, that wasn't i'm sure that that wasn't accidental yeah you'd struggle to believe that's a coincidence no mariner manson uh, so yeah that's we are chaos that is out on friday um shall we do some reader questions we only got a, a little handful of them today um can i read the first one because i haven't got an answer <laughs> yeah go on then okay Ben Wilmot asks, what's your most disappointing release of 2020 so far? Now, me and Jonathan talked about this before we started recording, and he reckons we might have the same one, but I'm keen to know what yours is. So what's yours, Jonathan? Okay, well, just a little preamble. So disappointing means that I had hopes for it that weren't, um, uh, that weren't kind of fulfilled. So there's been lots of shocking albums this year. <laughs> but um, the one I had hope for, and I was like, oh, is that it, was Lamb of God. You are correct. We do have the same choice. <laughs> yeah. And like, like, you know, I'm not the world's biggest groove metal fan. Usually it's, um, it's, it's just knucklehead music. Like wherever I think of Pantera musically, I kind of blame them for kind of like turning metal into music for jocks and whatever you think about the musically. And, but here's one groove metal band that was genuinely, that, you know, I had genuinely respect for. I think, you know, always comes across musically i just think that you know randy is one of the most honorable people in our world and this album was just it didn't really add anything to their canon for me very much at all and um it's, it's okay but um but but that's that's the one album that i had high hopes for that didn't fulfill those hopes yeah i think that's fair and i and i think lamb of god are kind of um you know i think you know <sighs> They're still a great band, of course, one of the greatest metal bands of the last 20 years plus. But, you know, we had them on the cover earlier in the year. Um, I don't think this is a bad album at all. I actually think it's a good album. Like, I think Memento Mori is great. I like Checkmate. I think Reality Bath is good. I think the tracks with Jamie Jaster and Chuck Billion are really good. Um, I just think they suffer by comparison as much as anything. You know, when like Trivium, we talk about that album all the time on this podcast because that's such a good example of a band who have you know they've experimented a bit here and there over the years and now they've honed their craft into something that is just absolutely at the top of what they do um whereas it feels like lamb of god have put out a quite good lamb of god album which which just doesn't put itself up on the same pedestal um i think i, I think it's probably a bit better than sturm and drunk but i think sturm and drunk at least had some really interesting and particularly memorable moments on it like the track that chino's on and stuff i still play that track all the time i'm sure l does as well just nodding <laughs> yeah I, I just thought you know obviously a lot of water had gone to the bridge with them personally in the intervening time between the last two albums and i just none of that really kind of i felt not, that didn't really kind of come across it's just yeah it's just if you if you really kind of like said like in manson's case when you really not saying it's not processing emotions, but when, when you do it really well artistically, there's always going to be something new in there because you're always going to come up with some kind of personal revelation. 
mm. and that usually will reflect itself in the music and i just didn't couldn't really find it in the last record i think that's yeah i think that's fair um it's uh it's been a really 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 good year for heavy music like that my kind of top five or six albums albums of the years could have all been my number one in a good few other years that i've been doing this um so i think yeah i think it just suffers by comparison and it's just kind of like it's a good album but just being a good album probably doesn't quite um you know stand up in this year especially although you know it's got his big fans joe daly uh, reviewed it for the magazine he absolutely loves it like gave it nine out of ten and really you know stood by that so um it's obviously doing some things for someone which is good uh brendan crab says there's a new james bond film due to be released soon pandemic pending uh we've had chris cornell saying you know my name in the past but which artist from the world of metal could deliver a <laughs> i can't say this without sounding like alan partridge a quality bond theme song <laughs> <laughs> i'm listening to his podcast at the moment from the oast house i'm getting getting some tips for this podcast has he got a new podcast yeah some- called from the oast house with alan partridge oh my god i need to hear that other podcasts are indeed available apparently. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting some tips about what we should do on this podcast, how to improve it from the legend. Oh, um, my choice for this, I instantly went to Leprous um, because their last album, Pitfalls, was so dramatic. And I think it's really good to have a really dramatic song when you're talking about Bond. If you look at that record, every song was dramatic, but... There was at the bottom, distant bells, the sky is red. There's just such a huge amount of drama and his voice is just incredible. And um, yeah, they'd probably have to like tone down the progressiveness slightly in order to create a single style song. But the drama that you could get on there would be amazing. That's a good choice. Yeah, drama kind of um, influenced my thing as well because I was thinking of someone who could deliver a really kind of epic, interesting uh, thing. And I thought uh, Devin Townsend's. Because, oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, I think he could deliver the goods. And I think he looks like he could be in a James Bond film because he's just such an interesting looking fella. So I'd back that. He's a, bit, he's a bit too cosmic for James Bond these days. <laughs> well, just give James it, Bond it, the it, spaceship it, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe if they did, um, what's the, one, what's, what's the one they did in space with Jaws? Oh, I can't remember. I don't watch a lot of yeah, James Bonds. Yeah. So I, I had kind of three. Uh, actually, I think Manson would make a great, James Bond track. In fact, halfway and one step forward would be would sounds like it could be a Bond soundtrack. Wow! New album with that with that with that lyric about champagne problems. <laughs> I'm not sure it literally is talking about champagne though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, poison champagne. Um, then you just got to kind of think of um. Well, if on a, if you want dramatic, septic flash could be really good. Wow, that is dramatic. <laughs> not expecting it to just come out with that just just trying to think you know with the orchestras and stuff um but also a really obvious choice would be Autobridge. yeah yeah that's yeah, that that's, good how have they not been used for soundtrack music yet i mean they did edges theme song in WWE, of course but interesting. yeah soaring and femic appeals to lots of different people across genres mainstream enough to work i'd watch yeah. it it's the new one I, I, I think manson is the best choice I think so. I was just trying to imagine Miles Kennedy singing the new James Bond movie. You could see him in the video, couldn't you? He'd be like standing on top of like a ship or something with his arms open oh. and his shirt half undone, like screaming into the wind. Because there's no time to die. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Just like that. 
was my attempt at emulating one of the best singers in rock music. So good. Oh wait, hang on. Yeah, I get it now. It was Ozzy. No, it was supposed to be Miles. Oh. Why would I randomly sing Ozzy? <laughs> the voice sounded more like Ozzy Osbourne. Well, I'm. And well, then he's the greatest shocked. singers. You should be shocked that I can't emulate Miles Kennedy. <laughs> oh, let's do the last question. Do you want to take this one, Jonathan? Yeah. So Matt Grimster, which is a great name, asks, "What feature, article, interview, etc., have you done that you are the most proud of?" Oh, uh, what are you most proud of, El? Doesn't have to be a Metal Hammer one. I wouldn't judge you, but it probably should be. I don't know because you know I, you know I hate lists and ordering things, and I'm things I'm proud of. Um, I don't know. Probably one of one of the most memorable ones was my first cover for Hammer because that was baby metal, and it was we were putting them on the cover, and it was like the baby metal phenomenon, and it was like, what are baby metal? Where did they come from? Who were their fans? Are they big in Japan? How are they going to get big in the UK? Is it going to last? Are metal fans going to embrace them? And there was so much to get stuck into that it really did feel like it was looking at a phenomenon. It wasn't just writing a piece about a new record, which is obviously fun, or a person. It was kind of what is going on here. And so that was really interesting, especially because it was sort of starting from zero almost. You know, most of the time when you do a cover feature, it's a very established artist that you've known about for a long time and there's so much background and information. But with Baby Metal, it's kind of like, this is all a bit mysterious. How can we find out about it? So I really enjoyed doing that one. It felt like it kind of captured a moment. That was yeah, a very, very big moment for the band and the magazine and the metal scene, I think. Um, I, I backed that. That was a great feature. I really, I know it's not like, I was proud that we, that of your, um, your Architects cover piece, was cover feature that you did as well at the start of 2018, was it? Mm, um, I thought really? that was really good. Thanks, Merlin. Um, Jonathan, is there any stuff you're particularly fond of? Yeah, I mean, there's two for two different reasons. Um, one for, for a similar reason as Baby Metal for Eleanor, which was Highlung, the first Highlung feature that we did. Mm. Um, and it was kind of a bit of a fluke that that happened, but I knew, I, you know, it was soon after, wasn't that long after, um, that, you know, their first two performances at Castle Fest and Midgarge Blue. But um, you just can tell that band were going to be absolutely huge. So we were doing our albums of the year, and um, I said, right, well, you have to put this Highlong show in. And um, I, was, I was going to give like a little interview. I thought it was going to be a 10-minute interview uh, just for a quote. All I did was one quote. We ended up talking about 35 minutes because they just finished putting all the footage together for, the, um, for, the, for what became Leafa, you know, the live DVD, Blu-ray album, whatever. And um, they hadn't even been signed yet. Um, but I just knew that band was going to be huge. So we were, we were kind of like the first magazine to really grasp that and I'm still amazed at how few other magazines really picked up on them um, or other outlets picked up on them but that but you can't like I always said you can't underestimate how huge that band were and we were there we were there ahead of everyone so I'm really proud of that and mm. getting across and the one that had the most meaning for me was Shamash where you know sometimes you know you go into you, you you got a brief but sometimes you know, stories just emerge from the conversation that you have. And again, in the same way that we're talking about Manson, you know, so he'd 
um, so the, the, the front, so I went to Basel and it was the only, it was the only face-to-face -face interview he was doing, uh, cause we knew each other a little bit, me and CSR, the front man. And, um, and I just wouldn't let him go, <laughs> you know? So, um, in the same way that we're talking about Manson, about, you know, reaching a, reaching a difficult point and how do you go beyond that? And so he'd, um, he produced this, this, um, huge triple album beforehand and just did not know where to go next. And he had to be really honest with himself and saying, basically saying, I've got nothing. Let's explore this. Let's explore this kind of sense of despair. And the way he talked about kind of that was so honest. And, it, and when you talk about something that's so honest, it becomes such a unique story, but also such a universal story. And it was a way about kind of talking about depression that um, I felt was in a way that I hadn't really come across before. And, but so honest and, um, and so kind of ultimately liberating at the end. And so I think, yeah, that's a piece that just, I really felt like had the most meaning for me as, and trying to articulate that as well too. Uh, because yeah, I had no idea what was, you know, it's always good to go with a slightly open mind and I had no idea what was going to come out of that feature, but um, mm. he was really, it was just so honest and I knew it was difficult for him to be so. Mm. Um, and yeah, a really amazing story. And I say story, it's something that you can actually look, kind of learn something from and uh, came out of it. So that's, that, that's, 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 a, that's a piece that's had the most meaningful to me about really being honest about hitting a brick wall and just, and not trying to be super positive about it, go with the negativity, but oh, that will take her over to the next stage because it's only a stage, that negativity. Yeah, yeah I, think that, I think that was a great piece and it's a very good, uh, you know, very slightly different reason, I guess, for, for having an attachment to that. Um, fantastic choices, both of you. Uh, I think, I mean, for me, a lot of it's down to getting to interview artists that I've always wanted to do stuff with and managing to not totally fuck it up. So when I did, uh, uh, when I did the Marilyn Manson cover in 2017, I was quite happy with how that turned out. Um, because it was like, you know, he was the one artist I'd always wanted to be able to interview over anyone else. And you kind of get to a point where you think, well, maybe it'll never actually happen, especially when it's someone quite enigmatic like Manson, but I was quite happy with how that all turned out. Um, and not really kind of, I mean, I thought the feature was good fun. I was quite happy with it, but just kind of getting to go on Ed Force One was obviously just, you know, can't even call it like a dream come true because when I first started reading Metal Hammer, Ed Force One didn't exist. So it's like if someone had told me in 2000 that, I'd be on a plane flown by Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> You'd be like, what? Like, it just it would, wouldn't even compute. Um, so that was a very proud moment. And in terms of like editorially more, um, our 300th issue a couple of years back, um, that took a real lot of work that um, me and uh, Hammer photographer Jemery Safa kind of mostly strung together out in Chicago. And uh, I thought that came out pretty cool. So I was really pleased with that. And my first ever Hammer cover feature as well, which was Event Sevenfold. Um, I've been at the magazine for nearly three years by that point and I'd still not done a cover feature so it was cool to be able to do that um, and also do it for a band that I've kind of grown up with so that was quite nice um, and there'll be more proud moments to come no doubt about it lads we've got lots more coming this year we've got some really exciting issues coming up uh, and one of those of course is out right now so if you haven't picked up our Metallica issue yet go and get it it looks lovely featuring some amazing artwork by the awesome uh, Wolf Skull Jack um, I'm looking at it right now. That's why it just came to mind. Um, so yeah, keep on trucking on. We'll have lots more to come throughout the year. But in the meantime, that is it for this week. We'll be back 
next week, as always, on the Matt Hummer podcast. And uh, I won't be back next week. I'm going on holiday in my oh, yeah, house. You around, Jonathan? Uh, I, I imagine so. Let's hang out. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you next week. Apart from Elle, have a lovely time away, Elle. In my house. <laughs> in your house. Have a lovely time at home, Elle. Uh, no more than five people at any time with you. Remember. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll see the rest of you next week. So take care, everybody. Stay metal. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.